This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy Ott and Paul Stone talking some college football here in the Sports Better's Paradise, and another good week for Paul Stone. Two and one, Central Michigan fell way behind against uh, South Alabama. Nobody has covered the spread uh, combined more than the Jaguars have done uh, out of Mobile. But then getting the lines at the right time, and that's what we did here. But uh, he's, I'm not, Paul's very honest. Paul's very good about quoting if he got an earlier line. But when we shoot this thing on Wednesday, we're using the Wednesday lines at Bet Rivers. And Texas Tech was minus two and a half before they moved up. They fell three. Thank you, Dana Hogerson. Uh, Fruit basket is in the mail for going over in overtime uh, first. And then under Memphis and Navy, by the hook, under 50 and a half, that fell on 52 in one week, 5-1-1 one one start to the season. Excellent, Paul. Yeah, good start so far. A long way to go, but uh, we'd rather get out in front than uh, start out behind or even. So another great uh, week of college football, and we start with a clean slate, and we'll see what we do this week. How about, and I know that you are so thorough and you're doing all the teams and not just the power fives and not just the, you know, the the name brands uh, out there. And, you know, where college football has lacked in competitive balance over the last few years, man, all of a sudden Saturday, uh, the March Madness broke out. I mean, this was, this was a fantastic day. Keep in mind, no Thursday games because they didn't want to uh, compete with the uh, NFL opener. Um, a couple of Friday games only. And so this might be, and it's too early in the season for buys, probably the busiest Saturday of the season. And I'll tell you what, it really delivered, Paul. It did. I mean, to me, that's what college football is all about. I mean, obviously the Sunbelt Conference, uh, the big winner with their uh, upset victories on Saturday. But, uh, you know, Georgia Southern beats beats Nebraska and uh, – you know, of course, Appalachian State beats Texas A&M. Just, you know, it's the reason, again, why so many of us love college football. You just see these programs that are much shorter in resource, uh, resources. The players that they're competing with uh, were oftentimes not recruited by the teams they're playing against, and they have a chip on their shoulder, and it's just uh, it's great to watch, and it's a beautiful part of the, the college football viewing experience. I, I got to give our producer Max Gotro some credit too because he was monitoring the lines and we were doing our show, our radio show that evening, last Wednesday evening, and he said, "Listen, this thing is about to move on Texas Tech," and so I got down pretty good. 
bought back at my at plus four. So well, right in the middle there. So those are always fun. So shoot, yeah, kick the field goal on uh, fourth and five, and obviously that's why you go you go last. You choose to go last. He did it. Holgerson elected to go first in overtime in San Antonio. Got away with it. This time he didn't because fourth and five. He obviously doesn't kick the field goal if he knows Texas. I mean, he knows uh, Texas Tech is going to score a touchdown. I can't remember ever uh, another coach going taking the ball first. Uh, in overtime. He's done it two weeks in a row. Got away with the first week, did not in the last week. And also, so Holgerson uh, coaching where you are in Texas. And then also, gosh, I've been knowing this guy since 2000 when he was on Nick Saban's original staff at LSU. He was a neighbor of mine, a great guy. I mean, he's got a lot of friends in Baton Rouge, Jimbo Fisher. But you cannot take 55, four and five stars on your roster and not just lose to App State, who had one, but get out gained by about 100 yards. Um, have less than 200 total yards and kind of get beat at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they can build the Kyle Field to the heavens. They can have the greatest football operations facility and all this NIL money. But at some point, you got to win some games, Paul. I tell you, it is perplexing to me, Jimmy, the uh, lack of production from that Texas A&M offense. You know, obviously coming into the year, they don't have a, a proven quarterback. Haynes King wins the job over Max Johnson, and uh, certainly they have not gotten stellar quarterback play, but it, it extends beyond that. Like you said, they're, they're not winning the line of scrimmage. Um, their yards per play, I think, is below uh, five yards per play. They have a big-time playmaker in Devon A-Chain, who's basically been their only offense to speak of. And, and now some of the things, some of the uh, uh, maybe lack of discipline issues and things are starting to, to raise up when you start losing uh, things that didn't matter before start mattering right. now. So right. you get under a uh, much uh, brighter microscope, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, emerge. You know, there's still 10 regular season football games and, and a bowl game likely. And it starts this week for Texas A&M at home against Miami. Uh, and they desperately need a victory over the Hurricanes. If the Aggies lose on Saturday, uh, I could just see this thing spiraling out of control. In today's college football, you never know if draft-eligible players will just pack it in and hit the road. I mean, things like that, or, or even though it's early in the season, you know, the possibilities are, are limitless uh, in the game, uh, the way that it's being played and, and the players – uh, managing their own personal interests and so forth. There's just, uh, um, you know, the negative uh, outcomes are, are limitless. So Texas A&M desperately needs to find itself. They need to come up with a supreme effort uh, Saturday in College Station. Hey, there's no doubt as far as the NIL, those high, those high prospects. I mean, you got way more at risk as far as professional career. So I think that should be your focus uh, when you go into college and let that other stuff kind of work itself out. All right, let's get to it, Paul. 5-1-1 one, one on the season. Excellent start. Auburn and Penn State and a rare Power 5 home-and-home on-campus series. Last year on primetime, Auburn went up to Penn State. They were driving. Bo Nix on fourth down threw the ball away in the stands, and uh, Penn State uh, survives, and they cover. Now they travel to Auburn. Auburn, much better second half against San Jose State than the first half. The Penn State is a three-point road uh, road a favorite here in what is going to be a lively Jordan-Hare crowd. Yep, and you referenced the, the game last year at, at Happy Valley. Uh, Penn State had uh, 
produced two uh, late defensive stands to hold off uh, Auburn and win that game uh, 28-20. Both teams do enter this game, the rematch, with identical 2-0 records. I think it's fair to say that Penn State's first two games have been more impressive than Auburn's, uh, and you again also uh, made note of Auburn's lackluster performance last week, especially in the first half against San Jose State. Uh, the Tigers still clearly have you know, quarterback questions. Uh, I don't think they've really identified perhaps uh, or have a clear-cut starter at quarterback, so they have to get that uh, worked out. But Penn State, what it comes down to in my mind on this game, they're hitting the road to play an SEC West team as a field goal favorite. Neither team in recent history has really been all that strong if you look at the last season and a half or so. Auburn only 6-7. and seven. It's last 13 straight up against FBS opponents. Penn State only 10 and 11 straight up against its last 21 FBS opponents. Auburn, 6 and 7 last year, uh, lost in the bowl game to uh, Houston. But they had their moments last year. You look at this Auburn team, they beat LSU and Arkansas on the road. Uh, they beat uh, Ole Miss at home when Ole Miss was ranked number 10, beat the Rebels by double digits. Uh, then they played Alabama at home uh, in that regular season finale, led throughout before Alabama rallied the uh, last nine minutes or so of the game to tie the game at 10. Uh, the Tide ultimately won in four overtimes. So certainly Auburn had its moments last year. They've got an outstanding running back uh, in uh, Tank uh, Bigsby. Uh, Penn State uh, has not really been uh, a moneymaker in recent years as a short road favorite before beating Penn State, uh, or rather Purdue, rather, in the opener on the road as a field goal favorite in their previous four games as a road favorite of six and a half points or fewer, they had lost all four games outright. I think uh, Auburn's going to get its uh, revenge uh, Saturday at Jordan-Hare. I think the Tigers win this game outright, take Auburn plus three in a low-scoring game over Penn State. You talked about that Auburn-Alabama game last year, and Auburn seems, especially at Jordan-Hare at home, they always play Alabama tough. Had a beat uh, last year, probably, if they don't give them an extra 40 seconds when that, you uh, mentioned Tank Bigsby did not stay in bounds. So they did have them beat. Speaking about uh, playing Alabama very tough, that's what the Texas Longhorns did last week. Darrell Royal Stadium was on fire. Man, that place was electric the whole time. And talking about the NIL uh, aspect, well, this guy stole a lot of NIL uh, headlines. And Quinn Ewers skipped a senior year in high school, takes a million bucks, go to Ohio State, doesn't even last basically the spring. No fall practice, his only spring. And now he's back at Texas. But one thing about him, he can play. And he was playing very well at a high level before he got knocked out with that separated shoulder. What, had, what could have been, we don't know. But if the rest of the game is played out the way it was, Texas would have won. There was a moral victory, hangover. Now little in-state Texas San Antonio comes in. Uh, Big 12 opener on the road uh, next week at Lubbock. Uh, Texas, 12.5-point favorites over the Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio, who had a really big win coming back from 14-point deficit in the second half at West Point. Right. And first of all, as you mentioned, I think Texas exceeded any realistic expectations uh, last week with their performance and near victory at home against Alabama. And, and I believe without question, they showed an intensity 
a competitive edge that they've been lacking in recent years. I think people have fairly, I hate to use the term soft for a football team, but I think they've fairly uh, been labeled in that fashion. And, and they didn't look like that kind of a team on Saturday. They weren't scared. Uh, they were playing to win. They were playing physical. Uh, they were playing aggressive. And, and I think things are, are looking up. Uh, but that was then and this is now. And even though we're talking about two games separated by just seven days, Texas, over the spring, over the summer, their whole focus and their whole thought process has been channeled towards this huge marquee matchup against Alabama in week two. So that's what they've been thinking about. That's what those extra repetitions, uh, those extra sprints have been about. Uh, And now they've played that game, and there's got to be some hangover. They will not have the same, what I like to call, collective team psyche against UT San Antonio. On the other sideline, you've got a team in UT San Antonio that's going to come up Interstate 35, 80 miles, a commuter school, a team that wasn't even yet practicing football when Texas played Alabama for the national championship in 2009, and they get a shot at Big Brother. And Jeff Trailer, one of the hot uh, names in coaching right now, he's done a bang-up job at uh, Texas San Antonio, has an outstanding quarterback in Frank Harris, has some outstanding receivers. Uh, this is a, uh, a game opponent. They've started the game, the season rather uh, with two matchups against a couple of quality opponents in Houston and Army and, and split those games. And I think the Roadrunners' zest for this game is equal to Texas's mental focus for the Alabama game, that all-in mentality. This is UT San Antonio's game of the year. It would be a program defining victory for Jeff Trailer uh, in Texas San Antonio if they were to win. Texas is going to be without Quinn Ewers for four to six weeks, could be back in a best-case scenario by the Oklahoma game. Hudson Card, a high ankle sprain, I don't believe he's going to play. I hear reports wow. out of Austin he was in a walking boot uh, yesterday. I think it's probably 80% chance he won't play. That means redshirt freshman Charlie Wright would be the starter for Texas. Their offense would be very limited. I think you would see in that scenario a heavy dose of Roshan Johnson uh, in the Wildcat package, who was actually recruited to Texas originally as a running back. So I think Texas, just with the quarterback situation, with the focus uh, mentally that UTSA is going to have, the hangover that Texas is likely to have, I take uh, in this game the Roadrunners plus 12-and-a-half over the University of Texas. I I love the emotional uh, handicapping approach to college athletics, both basketball and football, because it's real. And there's no doubt um, it's fair to to label Texas because they have been soft. They have not played with a whole lot of physicality, and it seems like as soon as they lose that big one, they play play hard against Oklahoma every year, but, you know, Kansas – some of the others, and I mean, it's it just it, big-time underachieving program. They play with a ton of heart, pride, toughness, physicality, and that, that, that doesn't go without an emphasis on that game for as much. As much as Sarkin downplayed in the media, pay attention to actions, not words, and yeah, that's a rare, I mean, just sky-high effort uh, for the Texas Longhorns. Texas San Antonio, yes, emotional, big time emotional edge. Keep Arch Manning uh, out of there for another year uh, as well before he comes to campus. They could use him this year. All right, uh, a, a coaching casualty, Scott Frost, he's out. Um, 0 3, I'm sorry, uh, 
one and two straight up, zero oh and three against spread, zero oh and three against spread this year. Um, the last thirteen Nebraska losses, so two this year, single digits. Nine last year, single digits. Two the year before, single digits. The last thirteen Scott Frost losses were single digits. This was a single digit game last year as they went to Norman and played uh, played them had the had the ball. Uh, near the red zone and threw a pick, an outstanding interception for Oklahoma to kind of preserve the seven-point victory. This line has been all over, Paul. I mean, you talk about some crazy opening lines. Now it's settled to about 11, 11 and a half. It's at 11 right now at Bet Rivers. Nebraska with Mickey Joseph, their former quarterback out of New Orleans and former LSU assistant, now takes over as interim coach. Yeah, I mean, this game, I think it opened at Circa on Sunday, Oklahoma minus 16. I hate to lose that much value from the opener, uh, but I am going to recommend the underdog here. Uh, as you mentioned, the Scott Frost era uh, came to a halt uh, Sunday, less than 24 hours after losing to uh, Sunbelt member uh, Georgia Southern. And that was a Georgia Southern team that hadn't been very good lately, only 2-10 and 10 entering that game in their last 12 against FBS opponents. Uh, the season obviously started uh, across the, uh, the Atlantic in Dublin, Ireland for Nebraska. They lose that game to Northwestern. Uh, they then play FCS North Dakota uh, before on Saturday uh, falling to Georgia Southern 45-42. So Frost ends his Nebraska coaching career with a 16-31 and uh, record. That includes a 5-22 and mark in single-digit decisions. They are Nebraska 6-21 and 21 straight up in their last 27 versus FBS foes. And as you mentioned, uh, Associate Head Coach Mickey Joseph, who I believe his family has a deep uh, deep roots in the coaching and playing uh, yes. round there in Louisiana, takes over as the interim coach. And make no, you know, make no mistake about it, uh, unlike last season, you know, Nebraska only went 3-9 and nine last season, but they played good defense last year. It wasn't the defense – that was the issue this year. They're not playing good defense uh, in those losses to Northwestern and Georgia Southern. They've given up 76 points, 1170 total yards, uh, an average of 6.8 yards per play, uh, which is not very good. But this selection, this recommendation on Nebraska as a 12 and a half point underdog, it's about that one game bump you know, that you get after frost firing. You're now playing historic rival. You're playing before a highly energized crowd of, of big red fans. Uh, and you're playing a historic rival like Oklahoma, and you're getting double digits. Uh, I think it all just lines up again. It's kind of like the UT San Antonio uh, selection and recommendation. A lot of it's based on circumstances and uh, I think everything kind of lines up with Nebraska to take their best punch, to, to come with their best effort uh, in this game against Oklahoma. I recommend taking Nebraska to keep this game close under double digits. The Cornhuskers plus 12 and a half. Yeah, Vance Joseph, uh, Mickey's brother, uh, defense coordinator in the NFL, uh, was the head coach uh, with the Denver Broncos for a little bit. His cousin Terry, uh, also from the uh, New Orleans area, has been a college coach for about 20, 25 years. So Nebraska, uh, plus 11. Texas San Antonio, plus 12.5. Auburn, plus 3. Paul's three top uh, picks for this week. Paul is 5-1-1 one one on the season. 
Were you able to catch uh, that number? Were you uh, at, uh, at Circa at 16 when you're in Vegas? I did not. You know, I was there, and uh, the numbers go so quickly. It's, I mean, within seconds, and you kind of have to strategize how you're going to approach the board when they come up. They come up, I mean, at 11, 0, 0, 0, 0, <laughs> they come up. Hopefully they have the right number of zeros, but, I mean, they come up right then, and the numbers just start changing. So rather than go down the board kind of chronologically, I have five or six games that I'm going to go to first, and, and I try to get to those, kind of prioritize and try to get to those before the mob gets to them. Yeah. And you just can't get all the numbers, and they'll change, you know, two, three, four points uh, in a matter of seconds even in some cases. So it's it's wild. It's 11 Pacific time, Paul, is when Circa posts them? 11 Pacific, 11 a.m. Yeah. Pacific. Okay, on so one hour, one hour into the NFL games. Uh, so, right. Typically yeah. about halftime in NFL games, 11 a.m. Pacific. That's correct. You know, that reminds me of the old days of the Stardust when they would uh, over the, you would take a ticket then. And so you didn't have mobile. So you'd have to take a ticket where you would be in line when they would post the numbers. And it was a lot less of a frantic pace because well, you had a line and it was all about getting that ticket. And they would uh, kind of uh, give some of the regulars uh, the first 10 or 20 uh, slots. Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports. A ton of great information, uh, not just picks, but will help shape your handicapping on your own as well. He's with us every Wednesday. And listen, get on his picks early as you can because they tend to move uh, over the course of the week. I'm Jimmy Ott for Paul Stone Sports Betters Paradise. We'll be back next week right here on the Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.